0: Hi, and welcome to She Said, She Said. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. If you're new to this podcast and to these conversations, this is a conversation with, about, and for women where I talk to women about their journeys, about their struggles, about what they've learned, and how we can learn from their stories. It's really all about paying it forward, what they know that can help the rest of us. Maybe it will be an idea that they have or something that they're working on that sparks an idea in you. Maybe it's some way or some tool that they're using to solve a problem that you hadn't considered and that you can deploy in your own life. Many, many, many instances in which these conversations are having a remarkable impact on people. So I'm really, really grateful for all of you who are listening and to all of our amazing guests. Today is no exception. I'm joined by two amazing women, Mary Morgan Ketchell and her mother, Senator Marsha Blackburn from the great state of Tennessee. The two of them together have penned a children's book called Camilla Can Vote. They're commemorating the 100th anniversary of women getting the right to vote. And this book, which is historic fiction, is an account of the role that their great state of Tennessee played in seeing that achievement through. It's an amazing story of grit, resilience, and determination and i'm excited to talk to both women about what the story has meant to them and also what it's meant to work together on a project like this so with that ladies welcome to she said she said well thank, thank you, so you i'm delighted to uh to join you mary morgan uh, as i understand it the original idea for the book was actually yours what was it about this story that that really inspired you to put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard and mm-hmm. actually commemorate this story in this way?
1: That's right, Laura. I knew the story growing up, and it was really personal to me because I got to vote for my mother, you know, in her series of firsts. and. On election day, I was just beaming with pride when she was elected to the United States Senate. And when we were planning her swearing-in activities, we included a tea and an afternoon event where we could have families that were coming from Tennessee and really from all over to join us. And so in that, we decided to give a little nod to the suffragists and afternoon tea was something that they held dear and a lot of their business was done over afternoon tea and so we felt that that was a great opportunity to highlight the year that would be approaching in 2020 you know the 100th anniversary of the suffrage centennial is coming right up the 18th so we planned this tea and we had a um an historian telling the story of the day that the vote was won And when we were watching the faces of children hearing the story, it was just captivating. But even so looking a few feet above those children's heads to their parents. And I was realizing that many of my friends had not heard the story in its entirety. Right. And the conversations that spawned from that event and surrounding just those few days got the wheels turning. I thought at first, You know, it's such a vivid story and exciting and dramatic, and it all culminates on this one day in Nashville, Tennessee, and this one scene, and I thought, you know, this could be almost like a musical, and then to me, you know, a children's book, we started to look at what it would be like if we were to illustrate this scene. And the publisher paired us with an incredible illustrator, and he really brought that to light. So bringing the excitement to the day that the vote was won through Camilla Can Vote has been such a joy. But yeah, it was just watching the children receive that message and watching their faces. And
2: one of the beautiful things about working on this book with Mary Morgan is that what we did was to look back. At some of these women who really stepped forward and for 72 years led this fight with commitment, dedication, and with grace mm-hmm. and diplomacy, and to see the manner in which they chose to conduct themselves and to see how they worked relentlessly to receive, to get the outcome, at which was the right to vote. And they did it not for themselves. Some of those that started the movement were not alive when it finished because of the seven decades that it took. But it was just such an inspiration to remind that uh, not all success comes um, with immediate gratification. Uh, Life and uh, big ideas are not something that you can say, we're going to it doesn't take place in a sitcom or a series setting many times it does take years and decades to achieve change that is going to be positive and worthwhile change
0: absolutely i mean what an incredible story well you know it's so interesting because the role that the state of tennessee played in actually seeing this accomplishment through while people probably learn many people learn this in civics classes You know, civics is not being taught to the degree that maybe, you know, Mary Morgan, you or I or your mom and I actually learned about civics. There are real gaps in what kids are getting as it relates to our history. So maybe give us, not to give too much away from the book, but since it is historical fiction, (laughs) right, it's a story that many people know, but a lot of people don't. So, what was it that was happening in the state of Tennessee that you've commemorated in this book?
1: So there was a 48-48 tie in the house. And you have to remember that the suffragists had done this in 35 states. Here we are in Tennessee, the 36 states. So they've gone through the process of lobbying and succeeding already in 35 states. Tennessee was the last one. And I love the idea of them coming down from New York on the train into Union Station, as the leadership of the suffragists did. And all of the groups that had met all over the state of Tennessee gathered, and everyone came to the Hermitage Hotel. Mm-hmm. And in the lobby there, it's known to have been called the War of the Roses, because if you wore a red rose, you were an anti, and if you wore a yellow, then you were pro suffragist. And so In the book, our little character, Camilla, through a series of almost magic, (laughs) I'm not going to give away too much, but she gets a bird's eye view to this scene. So here they are, the suffragists and the um, members of the state legislature are gathered in the lobby of the Hermitage Hotel and there's a hustle bustle and an excitement because this is the day of the vote. And then they ascend the 72 steps to the Capitol and the Speaker of the House is trying to table it. And there is a 48-48 tie. And the irony of this is, That the youngest member of the house has just in the nick of time received a letter written by his mother whom is referred to as Miss Febb and she writes to her son asking him to be a good boy and help Miss Cat put the rat in ratification. He goes in and changes his vote and history is made that day so it's such an exciting um, story and such a dramatic scene. And I love how it just builds up and then there's exciting. And so in the book, all the suffragists, you see them raising their arms and yay, the vote is won. And then little Camilla is there to witness it all.
0: Yeah, I yeah love it's it. it's an amazing story. So that's sort of the culmination of all of this history. But Senator, I'd love for you to talk for a second about the importance of teaching our children about perseverance and about resilience and grit, and the incredible grit and resilience that these women had in working toward a goal that many of them didn't live to see through to the end. Maybe talk a little bit about lessons to be gleaned from this story for not just our kids, but all of us.
2: Yes, and as Mary Morgan was laying out the timeline in this history, bear in mind that these women didn't act, if you will, outside of the norms. Yes, they went to the White House and yes, they protested and yes, they were termed iron-jawed angels. And there's, uh, HBO did a wonderful series on this at one point, but I think the thing that is so important to realize, Laura, is they worked within the system And they found a way to make the system, to use the existing system to achieve what they wanted to achieve. And I think that is very important and such a good lesson for children now. Perseverance is a character trait that we should seek to have. Determination is something that we should seek to have. And we should choose to focus on having the opportunity to make our dreams come true, to dream these big dreams and make them come true. But in that process, you have to be respectful of other people. You have to learn how to build a team. And yes, I believe team is an acronym. Together, everyone achieves more. And those are vital lessons. You have to realize that BEST is an acronym, better every single time. And you have to put your best effort into achieving a worthy result. So what great lessons there are in this for our children and to just realize uh anything worth doing is worth doing right and things that are a desired outcome may not come to you immediately you know i really like malcolm gladwell's book on outliers and it talks about the 10,000 hours of practice mm-hmm. and sometimes what it requires of us is to do things to continue pushing for something that is a worthy goal, that is going to improve society, that is going to make life better for everybody. And that is the lesson of these suffragists who fought so valiantly and so beautifully.
0: Yeah, that's that's really well set. Mary Morgan, um, a question back to you. You all decided to have as your central character a young girl. You're the mother of two young boys. So I'm curious as to why you made the determination to have your main character a girl versus a boy.
2: Yeah, and if I can just pop in before yeah, please. answers that I need to pop off, but so good to join you. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much for being with us, Senators. Really nice to Bye-bye. see you. <laughs>
1: Bye mom. And you heard with those acronyms. I love it, but you're getting a little bit of a taste of what it was to be raised by such an incredible woman, the encouragement that she offers and her acronyms and her.
0: Yeah. Country. Well, and now that she's left us, we can talk about what it was really like to work with your mom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, no, no. so talk to me a little bit about the editorial process and how you, how you decided on Camilla versus Cam or (laughs) something along those lines.
1: That's right, well you're right. I do have two boys and my boys are huge readers and they're still in elementary school but they have amassed a giant library of books and it's something that they um, are proud of. And I had noticed during these years and especially as they've gotten to a higher level of reading that many of the children's series about history, historical fiction are written for boys. Mm -hmm. And they write the boys into the stories and the boys feel a connection to the story. And I love unicorns and I love fairy deaths, but I felt like it was time to write girls into the story. So I decided to go about this in the way of connecting a young girl to these moments in history, to female trailblazers, Camilla Can Vote highlights Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Katie Stanton and Carrie Chapman Catt. But if Camilla can vote, what else can Camilla do? Right. Camilla can run for office. Camilla can be a senator. Camilla could run for president. Camilla could be the president. Sure. So, to me, it was an opportunity to get in there for girls and help a young girl to connect to trail a trailblazing woman or tra- trailblazing women in history and find their message in that and inspiration in that. And also, I love how mom pointed out that these women, many of them did not live to see their goal achieved, but they looked at it as being part of something greater than themselves. And I think that's an incredible message, especially in this day and age to lay out to a young girl that you are part of something to be proud of when you set your goals and when you join a team and you lay your goals out there and it might not happen overnight, It takes grit. It takes practice. It takes perseverance. And to me, this is an excellent display of all of those qualities and
0: of that sort of thing for a young girl. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you're a first-time author, as I understand it. I mean, you're a writer, but this is your first book, correct?
1: That's right.
0: So how daunting was that? Was that prospect? Was it um, a little bit intimidating to tackle this? Particular project, or how did you think about it? Was it so compelling that you were just like, I have to do this? I really got
1: a feeling of inspiration about it, and it all seemed to fall into place. I mean, I had a few days where I started to write the first book, and then came the second, then came the third, then came the fourth. It just followed one after the other. It seemed to me to be an obvious chain of events for our little Camilla and funny you asked about the name and why not Cam and um, I have two boys and you know as a girl from the south I had all these family names in my back pocket and <laughs> Camilla was my girl name and so if I ever was to name a little girl in a little girl character in this way Camilla she would be but I also loved the Camilla can, the CC and as I'm thinking about Know future books, Camilla can. It just, I love the way that goes together and it just sounds exciting
0: to me and inspiring. Absolutely, absolutely. So I I hinted at this a second ago, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit about working with your mom on a project. This, you're not the first duo um, that I've had on the podcast to talk about working together as a partnership with a relative, a sister, a mom. Um, But I'd love to know how you all work together and how did you work through any differences of opinion, perhaps, and things like that? Well, it was pretty
1: smooth sailing from start to finish. And in fact, this has not been a project that has been a long-term thing. I mean, I wrote the book in a few days and we're a mother-daughter that are constantly in contact and, you know, texting her and calling her and popping her popping in between meetings, you know, mom, how does this sound? And what do you think here? And one thing that was great that she offered was, um, the historical perspective and, um, she kind of fact checked for me Mm -hmm. in ways as well. I was writing the story and I was writing the character and kind of bringing it to life and I'm a creative type and I love history. but she had so much more to offer there and an insight into the relationships between these women that worked together for 72 years. And I love how um, Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton were really girlfriends. They were a tag team and Susan B. Anthony went out on the stump while Elizabeth did a lot of the writing of her speeches and the research and a lot of the work that she had started from years before, but she stayed home with her family and I loved how they kind of played off each other in that way. And I think that my mom and I have a relationship that serves us both well. We both have our strengths. We both have our talents and it's not a lot of push and pull. It's more you know, a combined effort. And yeah. it's fun to work with her. And I've done it before and I'll do it again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Talk a bit about because she is, and you referenced this a couple of minutes ago, she was the first female elected to the state of, to, to the House of Representatives from Tennessee. And of course, she's the first female senator from the state of Tennessee as well. Talk about what those firsts um, with your own mom have meant. For you, as you think about your own life and the impact that you can have. Oh my goodness! Well, the example that that has offered
1: not only in my life but in that of my children is just incredible. And when I was in high school and college, she was serving in the state senate, and I would organize groups of girls, and we would go knock on doors, and we would hold campaign signs, and work at the polls and be there for the excitement of election nights. And then in Congress, she was running every two years. Right. So in fact, I was working on her campaign in Congress and a lot of my friends were joining the effort and it was just so exciting to feel like we had a great team and a lot of momentum for our goals and all of that. And then her swearing in to Congress for the first time in 2003, January 2003, was a really wonderful family celebration. And that's right, she was the first woman who had won the seat in her own right. So it really was a moment to be recognized and that of historical significance for the state of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And then she served several terms in Congress and those goals that she set for herself She continued to achieve time after time, just breaking through the glass ceiling time after time. And um, we were so proud to watch all of that with her. And then when she ran for the Senate, it was the most exciting election night I think I have ever attended. And just to be, just for it to be my own mother,
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just
1: very proud. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's terrific she is probably the best example that I can say I have for that second bite at an apple. You know, she entered the political arena as I was going to college. She had always been involved as a volunteer up to that point, but she was a mom and she had a small business. But as far as putting her hat in the ring, it wasn't until that point. And so I like to think, as you're saying about women pivoting, Mm -hmm. you know, she had that moment where she was able to pivot and move in a different direction. And it is so inspiring to me. That
0: is such an inspiring story. You've watched her up close and personal. Politics is a tough, tough business, no matter which side of the aisle that you're on. And arguably for women, it can be especially tough and the criticism can be really personal and really, really vicious. Talk about maybe how you've seen your mom handle and plow through just the garbage that you have to, you just have to endure some of that when you're in the public eye.
1: That's right. I love to watch a split screen when she is on TV and the way that she composes herself when someone is losing their mind. I
0: love to (laughs) As they often (laughs) do.
1: I love to watch the manner in which she patiently waits for her moment to speak and deliberately answers a question and relates to the person on the other side of the camera with common sense, with dignity, and with exact information. And I'm proud of that. And I hear time and time again from my friends who are, you know, news watchers and listening to her on the radio. And they're like, oh, I love it. There she goes again. She gets her point across. She's very well averse. She's very well read. She's a student. She studies. She reads the legislation. You know, she's there for the markups. She's incredibly detail oriented and diligent in that way and she surrounds herself with excellent staff and she holds them to high standards. And those things are evident in the way that she is able to lead. And I love watching her when she's inspired on certain legislation and she's working really hard and she has a great team surrounding her. And then I love watching her as she campaigns. She is really um, an inspired, speaker. She's got that enthusiasm that I think relates, and she's a people person, and she's a mother and a grandmother first, Mm -hmm. and I think that comes across.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. Well, you know, I see a lot of her in you as her daughter, and I'm curious as to whether you've ever considered um, potentially seeking elected office. (laughs) I have not,
1: and (laughs) we all have our strengths, and I'm not sure that is my path. But and right now, as you know, I'm in the hairs of raising elementary school age boys, right. and I have loved being part of creative projects. I do love a campaign, but I don't see myself as the candidate.
0: Maybe not right now. We'll we'll we'll, we'll keep in touch with you. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about you know some of the other things you know one of the issues, and, and I'm sorry that we lost your mom before I got a chance to talk to her a little bit about this, but you know, one of the big goals that, that she has been very passionate about is getting more women elected, encouraging more women to run. What about the impact of this story and books like this as it relates to that goal as well?
1: She ha- drives around in a pickup truck with the license plate that is a vanity plate that says V-O-T-E. <laughs> to put it lightly, the lady is obsessed with voting. <laughs> and just to inspire women to enter the process, I think, has been a goal of hers. And I should say, she's not obsessed. It's a, it's a mantra to her. Vote. Yeah. Vote, get out there and vote, take it seriously. This is an opportunity. This is a right that women fought for decades to achieve. And we should not take that lightly. It is our responsibility. To children and to young, a young girl that would be reading the book, the idea that this has not been around that long. You know, we, we talk about, there's a little takeaway at the end of the book for Camilla as the character. And she's sitting on the bus on the way back to school. And she can't imagine a world where women like Miss Travis, her teacher, Wendy, the tour guide, and her mother didn't have the right to vote. But it hasn't been that long. And so it has to be just really appreciated that these women went through this process for 72 years to fight. And I think that there's that moment when she gets this feeling of courage and she thinks, wow, this was amazing. And I got to experience this just in the time that she was in the exhibit at the museum. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the message that we're trying to create and trying to send to a young girl that might be reading this
0: book. It's a really great contribution and the impact that you potentially have through stories like this is really, really very special. I guess maybe one final question, was there anything that you learned through the course of this process that surprised you or maybe something in particular that really resonated with you that maybe you hadn't expected?
1: As I thought about writing the book, I did think about writing it for a little girl, but I noticed that when friends that have been involved in Organizations in the community that help women come back to wholeness, that are encouraging them to rejoin society. The book is appropriate for adults Mm -hmm. and it is being utilized in that way. And yes, it's a simplified message and it's illustrated beautifully and vividly, but it's a message for all American women, not just for children, not just for little girls. And in fact, it's not, it's for boys too, (laughs) because in the end, Harry T. Byrne (laughs) made a huge difference that day on August 18th, 1920, when he marched up the stairs, he listened to his mother and went and changed his vote. So I feel like the book is appropriate for more readers than just for a little girl. That was surprising to me.
0: So maybe just really quickly, um, any specific plans for Camilla? What's next for her? Will there be a Camilla runs for the State House or the Senate? (laughs) Well, like I said, the the, the
1: sky's the limit. When you have a can-do attitude, I believe that as well. So yes, sure. Camilla can run for office. Camilla could be a senator. You know, Camilla can be the president. Really, the sky's the limit. And I would love to focus on female trailblazers throughout history and highlight some of their stories and help a young girl, young readers to connect to those stories and to connect to those inspiring people.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to have you come back and talk about Camilla's next adventure. It was such a pleasure. I really appreciate you and your amazing mom joining me this morning. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been so much fun, and
1: it's so nice to get to meet you. Thank you. You too. I loved it. Thank
0: you. To learn more about Mary Morgan Ketchell and her mom, Senator Marsha Blackburn, check out the show notes for this episode, episode 113. I'm so grateful to have all of you here with us, and I hope that you've taken away some important insights from not only the story that Mary Morgan and Senator Blackburn have told us today, but also their stories as well. Um, remember, you can purchase their book, Camilla Can Vote via the link in the show notes for this episode. And if you purchase via that link, She Said She Said Podcast gets a little bit of a benefit, just pennies on the dollar, but every little bit helps. So we're very grateful to have you with us. I'd love to hear from you and know what you thought about this episode or any of our episodes. You can reach me at laura at LauracoxKaplan.net. Again, I'm grateful that you've chosen to spend your time with us. Hope you have a great day and take care.